All right, we're here to talk about the match this past weekend. Uh, we will try to avoid too much negative talk about some of the things we saw on the pitch and at the stadium, but we do have to talk about it. Also previewing the upcoming match, a Friday match against Colorado Springs. Uh, so that'll be a big one to talk about. Hey, we have a, a first-time guest on the show that'll be joining us later on. So we have a great show scheduled for you, ready for you. Let's get into this. Welcome to the podcast of champions. This is the Orange and Black Soccer Cast. This is the Orange and Black Soccer Cast, the first and only podcast dedicated to Orange County Soccer Club, its fans, and supporters. Follow us on Twitter at OCSC underscore SoccerCast or on Facebook at Orange and Black Soccer Cast. How's it going, Orange County? Welcome to another episode of the Orange and Black Soccer Cast, the first and only podcast dedicated to Orange County Soccer Club, its fans, and supporters. I'm your host, Race Mora, and I'm here to take you through this journey as we discuss all things Orange County Soccer Club. Let's see who's helping me out this episode. First, the bearded one himself, now probably world famous um, from his brief appearance <laughs> on the stream this past weekend, showing a photo to Sparky McNulty. That's Mr. Yeah. Larry. Larry, how are you doing? I uh, I could be better um, if you know if the referee recognized that. Uh, oh, where'd it go? I had it all ready to be pulled up. If, if he recognized that this is in fact a handball all day, every day. But you know what? It, it happens. You move on. You go to the next game. Right? That's all we can do. Or you you know come join us on the show so we can talk about it for a few minutes and then move on. That, that's <laughs> that's on. what we can do there. We have one other person helping us out today. Um, you're becoming sort of a you know monthly visit from Mr. Nathan. Nathan, welcome back onto the show. Yes, good to be back. This is one episode that I am really happy to be a part of because we got a lot to discuss on this one. We do have a lot to discuss, and obviously that's what we're here to do is to discuss stuff. So let's get into all of this. Um, Orange County came into the weekend uh, on a what eight? Is it seven or eight? I can't eight. remember now. I'm, I'm forgetful now. Eight match winning streak. Um, and hosting El Paso Locomotive, who have been struggling as of late, uh, going to this, probably a lot of confidence from not just Orange County players, but the fans as well, that Orange County would uh, you know, be able to pull off a ninth win. Unfortunately, that did not occur. It ended up being a 0-0 draw defensive battle, uh, although there were a couple opportunities for Orange County. Uh, we're just watching the highlights right now. Uh, a shagged kick from Ryan Dogman that was probably a really good opportunity. Um, and then also a couple of no calls from the ref uh, in the box that would have led to Orange County penalties. Uh, before we get into the whole talk about the penalties, what occurred and all that, let's just talk about the match in general. Um, although a one, I'm mean, sorry, a nil nil draw and, you know, think back like four months ago, we would have probably been excited with a result like that. Uh, but the way the team's been playing, we're a little disappointed uh, we're hoping for a full three points, but it's still a positive result, right, Larry? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, anytime you can run a um, run a streak out uh, against your opponent, where you have now gone to nine games, uh, talking about nine weeks, two months and one week without a loss, 
without putting an L in the column and picking up points in nine straight games. You know what? You you got to take the uh, you got to take the little things. Whereas you might expect three on a game like this, you got to go ahead and take the one and just say, hey, okay, you know what? Fine, we'll take the one. San Antonio they ended up tying this week as well, so they didn't pull away from us at all in the standings. Um, yeah, you know you can always find positives even in a uh, even in a game where you get a little bit hard done by things. And, you know, if I'm not mistaken, you could watching it on the stream. It looked like there was actually a decent crowd at this match. Um, what I think the club announced what 5,500, uh, was the official attendance. What would you say, uh, Larry, was it a, a pretty packed house there at, uh, at the championship soccer stadium? Yeah. I mean, most of the seats were, uh, were full up. Uh, there was a lot of people standing, uh, back behind the, uh, uh, the goal in the, uh, I don't know what it's called, Gnarly's Playground area over there. And uh, a, lot, a lot of people standing back behind there during both the first and second half and not in the seats. I, I would say if it wasn't a true full sellout, it was awfully darn close, awfully close. Um, Nathan, your thoughts on this match and the performance from Orange County. Are you satisfied? Are you happy? Are you a little disappointed on what the team put out? Again, we're not talking about the the performance or you know criticizing anything from the ref at this point this is just strictly orange county and their performance in this match what we what's your thoughts um i am satisfied with the with, with the match honestly because if i'm not mistaken the defense gave up no shots on goal to el paso in in my opinion that's the, probably the best type of night because it shows that we can we can be good on both ends of the field, we know that we can score goals. It didn't happen tonight, but now our defense is really coming into form. And yeah, so I'm satisfied with the game. Should have won, but honestly, I'd rather have our one off game be now and not playoff time. And, and I don't really think we can really call this an off match. I mean, ultimately, defensively, we did what we have to do, right? If you don't give up a goal, if you don't give up any shots on goal, you're not going to give up a goal. And thus, you're not going to uh, lose the match, at least, right? At that point, you can um, get one goal and you haven't given up. I mean, you get a chance of getting a 50 points there. Or once the playoffs, you all saw this piece back, go to two days, and um, that can be a difficult. Um, let's, let's, let's jump into this conversation right here because we just saw one of those plays that maybe frustrated a lot of Orange County plays, and that's the, the some of the calls or no calls from the uh, ref in this match. Uh, there was a takedown of Milan Olaski in the bench, uh, in, the, I mean, in the box in the first half. There was a quick whistle on a foul when I believe, was it Milan that got dragged down, but he was able to somehow get his foot to the ball. That would have, I think, led to a Brian Olaski opportunity on goal, or it might be switched. I can't quite remember there. Um, yes, El Paso player gets yellow, but... That would have been a one-on-one with the goalkeeper, which more likely than not leads to a goal for Orange County, or at least a good opportunity. Uh, and then there's a late handball um, in the second half that, again, is a no-call in the box. Uh, that's the you know one that makes Larry world famous at this point now for showing versus Marky. Really, you look at that three pretty, pretty close to you know 100% goals from Orange County and those options, and all of them go against Orange County. Uh, and feel free to share your thoughts on the refing of this match in the comments. We might read some out as long as they're 
safe to read for us. But Larry, you were actually there closer yeah. than anybody, I believe, on the sidelines. Um, what are your thoughts on those? Are the three that come to, to my mind that were, you know, game changing for Orange County? Uh, what uh, What are your thoughts? Like how how are these calls either missed or the quick whistle? What are your thoughts? How does this happen? Uh, you know. <sighs> Speaking as a sports official, you know, y'all know I've been a baseball umpire for 30 plus years. Uh, you have bad games sometimes. Uh, you, it just it just happens. You are off. You just can't you can't get your strike zone right. You can't see a clear handball. Your AR on the sideline uh, can't see a handball um, that's clear to you know 5,400 other people, um, and it's very unfortunate. Um, the the good news is is what Nathan talked about is the um, no shots on goal, you know I think I think we need to to really bring that up as well. I mean, do you folks out there realize that since we lost to Colorado four nil, take that game away since June seventeenth, Orange County Soccer Club has only given up seven goals in three months. That is crazy, and and those just came in two games. Uh, three in one game and then a couple of ones and some other ones. So I'm kind of trying to focus more on that as opposed to the lack of calls. I was upset about them. I was livid on the sidelines um, uh, on the, uh, on the no handball uh, from, from Sparky shot. I mean, livid, like saying many things that hopefully that ESPN camera that was just 25 feet to my left uh, did not pick up. And in watching the feed, I did not hear it on there. Thank God for that. Um, yeah, it was, uh, it, it, it was rough, but again, it happens. Referees have a bad night. Um, and you pray for Friday to be better by way of referees and, you know, hope Orange County puts a few more in the back of the net then. Um, let me, one last question or one last discussion about this with them. We'll forget about the refs. I want to ask Nathan, um, because, Obviously, fans were frustrated. Fans at the stadium were frustrated. I believe after the match, as fans are walking off, there are some uh, liquids tossed in the direction of the ref crew as they're walking into the tunnel. Um, maybe even a bottle or two thrown in that direction, plastic water bottle of some sort. Um, obviously, we don't condone any of that on our show. That's something that we've called out when other teams' uh, fans do this. Uh, I, I think I recall something with like a Phoenix fan doing something like this uh, a few seasons back. And we definitely do not condone that. Um, what's an alternate way, Nathan, in your thought? And I, I didn't prep you for this question. What's an alternate way for fans to show their frustration or vent their frustration in this situation other than um, being that negative type of fan that's actually making uh, the fan base look a little bad? See, that's tough because – there's definitely less dangerous ways of voicing your opinions to a ref. You can obviously curse as much as you want, but you know, you, you know, yeah, draw a line there too. I think it's just honestly, just make noise, make noise in his head. He will probably sway his opinions a little bit, seeing how the game goes. But yeah, no, don't ever, don't ever put a, a guy's health in and question safety. i'd say yeah it's it's, it's, yeah, it's like you know it's it's his job i'm not perfect on my job no none, none of us are so yeah does was it a bad night for him yes 
can we change it? No, just move on. Yeah, I mean, just find safer and more, you know, I get it. We're frustrated. We were all frustrated. I was on the Twitters and I probably responded to a couple of the league tweets about the result in the match. And I'm just sort of saying, hey, you forgot to mention the ref effed us or something. I didn't say it in those words. I didn't use any bad language, but I'm like, you forgot to say the ref, you know, made two bad calls that, you know, took away a possible chance for us to take the lead. But um, in the end, um, please, fans, if you're listening or watching or whatever, as Orange County fans, we want, we don't want to be those fans that are throwing things at, at officials, players, or whatnot. Um, yeah, so please just keep that in mind next time you're frustrated. Let's not throw stuff towards the officials. Larry, you have also, a Also, you can go on to the Orange and Black Soccer Cast Insta- Instagram page, and you can get this photograph. <laughs> you can send it to at USL Championship and repost it everywhere and just remind them that that is, in fact, a handball. Although I do like, I forget who edited your photo, Larry, but did the job. Oh, brilliant. Photo. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. That, that was absolutely awesome. Put Morant's uh, number. Cause it does look like the guy's dribbling the ball. And it looks like a Grizzlies, you know, baby blue powder blue uh, Jersey. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty, uh, pretty that clever was... and pretty quick to do that, which was pretty awesome. Whoever did that. I, I need to job. find out who that person is and buy them a beer. <laughs> yes. Um, again, uh, the results of the match, not detrimental to orange County, uh, still unbeaten now in the nine straight matches. Uh, and you, again, we talked about uh, San Antonio. We we talked last week that Sacramento is a tough ask for this team to catch and bypass Sacramento. Um, it's it, it's doable, but that's a really tough ask. San Antonio is a realistic option, and we didn't lose ground to San Antonio, which is helpful for this team. Um, they're going to need to now come back, not let the frustration of what happened this past weekend, because you could see, we all saw frustration from the players. We saw Sparky McNulty get a yellow card for uh, getting in the rest face. And then after the match, we saw, I want to say six, seven, eight of the players going in and, you know, yapping at the refs. And then uh, I think it was uh, uh, Oliver, uh, Oliver yeah. Vista uh, coming out and trying to push the players away. And then I don't know, camera cut away. I don't know if Oliver let the ref have it um, at that point. That's, that's his job. That's what he needs to do. Um, but uh they, they need to come back focused against a Colorado Springs team who's another team that's battling for position in the playoffs and battling for a spot. Um, before we get into that match, though, any other additional thoughts we have? I know we talked about the clean sheet from a young goalkeeper, Juan Santana. Now two starts uh, between the post, two clean sheets. What a great start to his career. Um, we're scheduled to have him on the show in a little bit, so hopefully we can ask him how that experience has been for him. Any other bright spots from this this match that you all saw? Uh, I will say that uh, in regards to your question about whether um, Oliver gave um, kindly and politically correctly and politely gave his two cents on the uh, match to the referees, it did appear as though he um, he had a few things to say that uh, I'm, I'm sure that he was very, very kind because Oliver is a kind man and he's a good, good hearted man. So I'm sure that uh, all of his comments were um uh, uh, kind and polite and, uh, and uplifting towards the referee. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to figure out if you're being sarcastic there or not, Larry, I, you're, you're such a, a flat, a, a, a serious face when you're discussing that. Um, cause That's I have, why I have the beard, right? Oliver. You can't really tell I what I'm doing. I of Oliver, um, and seeing him when he's not happy with the way something's going. So I, I I'm assuming it's sarcastic, uh, comments from Larry there. Nathan, 
Uh, any other bright spots? I know you mentioned you called out the the clean sheet, no shots on goal. Um, any other things that you liked that you saw from Orange County in this match? Um, we did actually. This is this is I'm just saying, but we did sub off Milan at Lost kind of early in that game. Could be a break. Could be just Carl Van. And actually, we saw Langford, who is a forward by trade. He did play up top, so he's. We've kind of even used it as like our Swiss knife. He's playing the in the back line in the mid. We we, we found some of, some of the forward, and we did generate some chances, not a lot, but yeah. So especially when we're kind of taking a a blow with our like forward depth with Ocean Dina John, Jamison's on duty with the USA team. So yeah, it's just. One thing that I noticed there. Yeah, it it was interesting because there was also, I I believe Kyle Scott was subbed out pretty early in the match or early in that second half. Um, But I guess that's one of the the things you could do when you have a pretty deep roster, especially in the, that midfield and attacking section of the team. Um, I I will say Kevin is looking like he's fitting in more and more with this team. Um, We saw against Vegas, he was used in more of that attacking role. Um, here against um, uh, against El Paso, used in that role. Um, yeah, you know, I I was a little frustrated watching the the match, and I'm I'm one of those people. I've gotten yellow cards as a coach of a of a U12 team on the sidelines because a ref makes a bad call, um, and I let them know about it. Um, and so I know uh, I get frustrated with bad calls from refs. So I was sort of upset. Now uh, my my wife was. Uh, went to bed early that night. She was sleeping. So I was trying to be quiet. So I wasn't yelling at the TV, but obviously if it wasn't that case, I would have been yelling at the TV and uh, been really upset. Uh, but I, I think the team all in all did really well. The, the here's the thing, right? We look back at the championship year. Defense is what won us that championship. We, we, we had a solid defense, great goalkeeper. We won the championship because of that. Uh, this team is playing really great defense right now. Uh, and they're continuing to, what looks like they're continuing to improve as a defensive unit, even, and, and that's a tough thing to say when they haven't been given up goals to begin with, but they are still improving. I, I, I probably am speaking for many orange County fans where early in the season, we were nervous um, on defense. And now I think many of us now go into this, these matches and we're confident that the defense isn't going to let us down. We need our offense to score some goals. Our defense is solid. Uh, I, I just think they are, cool calm and collective back there and it's really helping us out and that showed in this match um obviously when it comes to a clean sheet the goal ke- goalkeeper tends to get all the credit for it but really it's the defense um in this match that gives juan santana uh that clean sheet because again no shots on target um on goal for el paso that i mean there's no way you can mess that up as a goalkeeper right um <laughs> larry's laugh is like well, it could potentially happen right <laughs> yeah, I mean, if they if they don't shoot on goal, they definitely can't score. So you would certainly hope that the goalkeeper doesn't mess that one up. And uh, and you, you know, know a, a bad back pass or something like that, and they slip. Yeah. We've seen the you watch those you know goalkeeper mistake videos on YouTube, and you always see a goalkeeper that takes their eye off the ball while the pass is coming to them and miss the ball, and it goes into the goal. Hopefully that doesn't happen. I'm not saying let's let that happen. Or or an outlet pass that the goalkeeper actually throws into his own goal. Um, that's, that's the greatest goalkeeper blooper ever. I don't even remember. Or the one was. where like they throw it and it bounces or they kick it and it bounces right off of the attacking player into the goal. Yeah. There's a bunch of them. Those are fun. Go, go YouTube them and watch them. They're funny when you want a, a little laugh. I, I, I saw your finger up really quick, Nathan. Did you have a quick 
<clears throat> See, thing to drop in there. They're funny to watch but as a keeper. Who I, I never had anything that egregious, but the mistakes make you feel like the worst player in the world. <laughs> and that one goal where the goalie threw it in on net, that was actually Minnesota United when they were in some tier five lead. I remember it's just random fact that I've always held near my heart. I don't know why I do. I just do. There we go. Um, so again, for Orange County to keep the momentum going, they're going to um, have a matchup coming up against Colorado Springs on a Friday. Uh, we've talked about in the past when you have a match on a sort of weird day, does it throw the team off? Um, because, you know, athletes are very like, you know, structured people, right? They like to know, Hey, I'm training this day, this day, this day, traveling this day, match on this day. And that's the way, and it, you get a pattern typically, you know, Saturday or the match for orange County. In this case, it's a Friday match. It's at home, but it's still a Friday match. Is there any concerns from you, Larry, that this throws the players off at all? Or is this team just such in a rhythm that it, that's not going to matter at all. It's more worry about what the opponent's bringing to the, to the match. Um, I think Colorado should probably worry more about having to travel West out here to play us right now. Um, I, I, one of the things that's so much fun about this team right now is their patience, 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 patience. They are not panicking. They are calm and it doesn't matter what the situation is. And I don't think, uh, I don't think this is a team right now that is going to be phased by the day of the week that they're playing. I don't know why we're playing on Friday night. I don't care. Um, all I care about is the team putting up three points against a squad that has, you know, they've got one win in their last six, I think something like that. I could be wrong there. I'd have to recheck it. Um, I just, I, I feel like this team is just so solid and our midfield, I, man, those four guys in the midfield are just so, so impressive right now. Um, Seth, Kyle, Kevin, and Brian, um, Man, they are fun to watch with them just controlling the game in the in the middle of the field. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't. Uh, I I don't, I don't think the day of the week is going to make a difference really whatsoever in how the uh, how the players view the game or uh, or their preparation for the game. Um, Nathan, uh, I'll ask you this because there's been some really great fan attendance uh, from the Orange County fans at home. Uh, especially, you know, over the last, say, eight or so home matches. Again, Friday match might throw that off a little bit. Uh, are, are you concerned that there will be uh, a little less energy in the stands from the Orange County fans? Or do you think a uh, pretty good chance we're going to still fill the stadium up and, and the fans will be on top of it? And especially like CLC, are you guys going to be nice and loud out there? Um, we could probably expect maybe like 3,500, 4,000 because – with Friday games at this time of year, you got high school football. You got just maybe dances coming from some high schools, homecoming dances. So I don't think it's an all issue because, if anything, this team has shown they can really play anywhere under any weird scenarios. Like the game that I always look back on is Memphis away, where you're playing in a crappy baseball stadium. You go down 2 0 early, and then you win 4 2. That's really all it says, like, you know, that this team does not get phased by, you know, one less day of training, weird schedule, weird stadium. So I don't think really it should be a, a big 
notes to make. That's James. It's just played one day earlier and such. The fans, and honestly, like, because we did play a Wednesday game against that Charleston, I believe, or Pittsburgh. One of those black and yellow teams. And, like, you know, that was a fine crowd, too, at that night. One of those black and yellow teams. Yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. Um, I, I didn't realize that, you know, the high school, you know, student is a big part of our fan base, but maybe they are. Maybe a way you can solve the issue is, you know, you, we do beer fest. We, we close up the fan zone and you do a beer fest. Maybe you do the, you know, the homecoming dance in the fan zone and, and let the high schoolers dance the night away and then come party with, well, they can't drink, so it wouldn't be as much party, but they can come watch some soccer. I don't know. Oh, yeah, because um, high school students never drink. <laughs> yeah, they, no, they, they follow the rules, Larry. You yeah. know this. I, I uh, did. Any concerns with uh, Colorado Springs? I'll go to you first on this one, Nathan. Any concern? Anything that concerns you about Colorado Springs coming into this match? Not really. I mean, yeah, they, they kind of killed us last time we played them, but that was also like – way in their early summer time. So um, I think with the game being late in the season, every team we're playing is going to be hungry for points. And Colorado Springs is like seventh in the West right now. So they, they're going to be ready to play. Like El Paso was eighth in the standings. They were ready to play, in, in my opinion. So, yeah. Yeah, the last time we played Colorado Springs – was right before we got on a nice run of form. Um, we lost 4-0 in Colorado Springs. Um, but when you look ever since that match, Orange County has been pretty darn good, except for that one loss to RGV, which I, I, I hate to, to beat the drum, but I feel like that was partially because of a bad no call from a ref. And then uh, obviously the one other hiccup is the match this past weekend with uh, not one, not two, but three sort of, against Orange County calls from the ref. Um, so Orange County has been on phenomenal run of form uh, ever since we got destroyed by Colorado Springs. I, I think at that time that the team was still trying to figure out how, you know, Morton Carlson's going to work the team, what the rotations are going to be, how the players are going to fit in, what the style of play is going to be. Uh, and we've seen a great style of play from this team since then. Uh, maybe the one hiccup, and, and I don't know why this was happening this last game. I know someone called it out. Um, in the chats earlier, we were sort of just playing the long ball um, a lot in that second half against um, against El Paso, uh, and that hasn't seemed to be the the game plan um, under Morton Carlson. But I don't know, maybe they saw something there. Although I think there was one player on El Paso in the back line that's like you know seven foot three or something like that. Um, so that's a difficult style of pl uh, of play against a team like that. Um, but again, great run of form from this team. Uh, and I, I'm looking forward to this Colorado Springs matchup. Uh, Larry, any last thoughts on this matchup before we move on? You know, one thing that concerns me about Colorado Springs, um, Demario Williams, uh, Romario Williams, sorry. Uh, he's, he's a player. He's a gamer. He's, he's sitting on 10 goals right now and 24 games played. The other thing, so, you know, obviously you're going to have to key on him and you're going to have to keep him marked. Um, don't, don't let him get shots off because this guy likes to, he likes to shoot the ball. Um, another thing, um, I was just looking at it. Colorado Springs has 14 different guys on their roster who have put the ball in the back of the net this season. I don't know how many guys for Orange County um, have scored goals, but 14 different players scoring a goal is really actually a very impressive number. So 
that tells me that Colorado Springs can kind of bring it at you from a lot of different different spots. Um, I do, however, think that Orange County is going to be looking for some payback on that uh, on that four nil, um, as Andy put it there in the chats, shellacking um, there back in June. Um, but again, since then, it's been all county all the time. So, well, I'm not too concerned, but you know there are some things that we have to watch out for. Make sure we don't have a letdown game after what some would consider a letdown game Saturday night. Let's go out there and get three points, do what they do, move on to the next one. Uh, and we don't have our um, like our prediction uh, standings right now because Brad was busy. Um, so uh, apologize if anyone was wanting to see where they stand at that. But let's do quick score predictions for this match against Colorado Spring. I'll go to you first, Nathan. Um, I think uh, their defense is a little bit lackluster. So I will say 3-1 victory. And Who's the first goal scorer for Orange County? Yeah, thinking about it. You know, let's go Amon. He seems to do well against these middle teams. Thomas Amon? Thomas Amon. Yeah, Thomas Amon seems to do well against these, like, middle pack Western Conference teams. Larry, what's your score prediction? We already know my score prediction. 2-0 Colorado Springs. I'm sticking Perfect. with it. I Until we... Undefeated we on that run. Undefeated. I, you know... I can't go off of that. Again, the one time I did it, the RGV game, we lost. Ever since the Colorado Springs game, every game since then, I have predicted a 2-0 loss for Orange County. The one time I didn't, RGV, we actually did lose, so I am sticking to the game plan. All right, and I'm going to go opposite of you. I'm going to go 2-0 Orange County with the first goal being scored by Milana Lasky. Um, um, one of the people that have been really helpful – with Orange County, at least recently, um, is youngster goalkeeper Juan Santana. He's been a big part of the run for Orange County. Two starts in the last uh, few matches, clean sheets in both of those matches. And I, I believe uh, I hear, you know, with the, that first clean sheet, the youngest USL player to record a clean sheet on a professional debut. Uh, we have, you know, magically, I would start talking about Juan and he shows up. We got Juan Santana on the show for the first time. Welcome to our show, uh, Juan, first and foremost. Welcome and congratulations on your uh, success early on with Orange County. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me as well. No, we're excited to have you on here. I, I know after your debut in Sacramento, a lot of uh, the fans and obviously we wanted to have you on the show. So we're glad we get an opportunity to speak to you now. Let's talk about a first that Sacramento match. Um, you made your professional debut in front of hostile territory in Sacramento. I think they said about 20,000 fans at that match. Not many USL championship goalkeepers get to make their professional debut in the USL championship in front of 20,000 hostile fans. Tell us what that experience was like for you to make your debut in that, that, uh, that atmosphere. Well, I mean, first of all, getting the news that I was going to have a first of a chance of playing was amazing. I mean, the nerves kicked in right away thinking, wow, I'm going to be playing against the top team in the league. And then later on the day, they, when they told me that, yes, it's confirmed that I will play, I just think, wow, I've been waiting what almost all my life, waiting for this moment. And then, yeah, going to the field up from the players and the coaches, they've been helping me a lot, giving me a lot of words to build up confidence for the game. And then, yes, the closer the, we got to the game, the more the nerves started going away. And then as soon as the game started, it just felt like a normal game to me. You know, there's no nerves. I was just really focused. I was really locked in. And thankfully, thankfully, the game went our way, winning 2-0. 
And honestly, it went better than I expected. Having a clean sheet on my debut, you know, it's amazing. It's a really amazing feeling. And you mentioned like, you know, there was a bunch of coaches and players that were talking to you before that match. Do you like remember anything that any of them told you? Like, can you remember a quote or anything anyone gave you or any advice anyone gave you? Or was it so, so much a blur that it's just, I can't remember really what was told. I just know it worked. Uh, well, what, what does stick to me is what Morton, the coach told me, he told me that this is how, you know, my careers start as in, this is how um, players get the opportunity to play. Everyone deserves a chance. And then he told me, just go out there, play your game. You've been playing this all your life. Now just go out there and have fun. And and it looks like you had fun out there. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of fun. Hey, hey, Juan, Larry, how you doing, buddy? Doing good. Yourself? Uh, fantastic. Listen, um, congratulations. Um, I mean, to date, how many people can say they've never given up a goal when they've been between the pipes? Uh, in a USL championship game. And so far for your career, you are about in a thousand. So awesome job on that. Um, Thank you. A couple of questions. Actually, there was uh, some fan questions that came in. I wanted to ask you about those. Um, okay. uh, Chuck Eldridge, uh, Chuck wanted to know, did you choose your number or was that number given to you? No, the number was completely random to me. I had no choice in it. I mean, okay. last year I was number 30 and then now this year, I guess I'm 29. So yeah, just completely <laughs> random. Okay. And if you had your choice of number, what would be your number? Um, probably double zero. You know, that's a nice keeper's number. I just really like that number. When I used to play for my youth clubs, that was always my number. And it would have been nice if, you know, that could be my number, but it just wasn't it. Maybe one day. Maybe, Maybe one day. day. <laughs> so, Maybe. Now, you, you made your debut in front of a monster crowd in Sacramento. That's a bit, 23,000 people is a lot of people. But now you got to have your second game at home in front of the Orange County fans. And I know because I was watching you, I know you heard the CLC over there doing that chant that they came up for with for you. How did it feel to make a, to make your home debut? I mean, I felt all the love as soon as I walked onto the pitch, hearing my name being chanted. It just really got me going. It built up my confidence, thinking I got to put on a show for these guys. And I felt the love and the support from the crowd, and it really helped me throughout the game. Awesome. Um, and another one from Chuck, he wanted, he wanted us to ask you if you could talk to us a little bit about the, uh, the OCSC, uh, goalkeeper group and the coaching staff. How, how do y'all work together? Uh, well, we go on great. First of all, you know, we get on really well. It's always, there's always jokes. There's always laughter. It's always a great environment to be in. And that's always a great thing to have in, uh, like a training environment. And when it comes time to get serious, we get serious. And also both Colin and Eric now, they helped me a lot. They gave me a bunch of advice. And it helps me in my game. It helps me improve a lot. Um, one, one last one. Um, you're a young man still. You're 18. At what point did you realize? How old were you when you realized? You know what? I'm pretty good at this. I, uh, I just might be able to uh, make a living uh, wearing these gloves and standing between a couple of pipes. Um, well, when I was 16, two years ago. I remember Victor, I was doing private goalie sessions with Victor, and he told me, hey, come out with the academy team, with the OCSC2 team. And I said, sure, why not? But then after training with about two weeks with the academy team, he then invited me to train with the first team. And at that point, I'm thinking, wow, this is going by just way too quick. I mean, who gets the opportunity to train from going on an academy team to training with the first team with a bunch of grown men? 
And at that point, I thought, well, maybe there is something in me that maybe I could reach the next level. And here you are. Here I am. <laughs> that's awesome. That, that's all I've got. I'm going to turn you over to Nathan and let uh, let Nathan throw a couple questions at you. And again, congratulations so far, um, you know, making your professional debut. Keep doing Thank what you. you're doing and you're going to go a long way. Thank you. Hey, Juan, it's Nathan. I just had two questions for you. My first one being this year's OC team is a mix of both youth players and some USL veterans. Which player on the squad has really been the most helpful to you in your development in Indiana just like professional soccer lifestyles? Hmm. It would probably have to be probably Colin, honestly. He's helped me a lot. Every training, he's always giving me advice, telling me what's wrong, what's right, what he prefers, what's not right. And then I just put that into my training, and it helps me improve my game a lot. It helps me a lot. Sounds good. And then um, another one I got is um, as someone who does go to the OC2 games and who has seen you play there too, what's the biggest difference between playing for that team and, of course, playing for the main team, I'd say? I think it just has to be probably the speed of play and obviously getting stuck in with challenges, you know. Obviously, one's grown men and then they're not afraid to get stuck in the challenges, you know. And then obviously the level's different just way better honestly yeah yeah and then my last one if you know you're uh you know give a start in net who's your go-to artist to listen to before a game your pre-game music uh, i always listen to mexican music it helps me going he's like All the right. main guy that i listen to a lot and yeah it just helps me going it's helps me concentrate get my th- get my mind off of things and it gets me locked in Love it. Sounds good. I think we got a few more questions from others. Yeah. Um, I, I just want to ask you, cause I, I'm a, a youth soccer coach and, and I tend to focus more on working with my goalkeepers. What's like a message you would have to any youth goalkeeper, um, that is aspiring to get better as a goalkeeper. Like what's your like number one piece of advice? Them? Cause that's a really tough play a uh, position to play as a, as a youth player. Um, you sort of get a lot of the pressure put on you when you give up a goal, your teammates sort of blame you for that. Although we all know it's not the goalie. That is the reason for that. It's probably the players on the field, but what's your number one piece of advice for, uh, you know, other youth goalkeepers to keep going and get stronger. Probably just never giving up. I mean, just a few years ago, I would, if you would have told me I would be in this position, I just wouldn't believe you. Like anything could happen. Like earlier this year, I wasn't on contract and I was also thinking of going, maybe trying a different route or maybe not. But I just thought, you know what? I'm going to keep going at it 100% here with Orange County. And it's helped me a lot. I got a debut out of it. And I got another match out of it. So yeah, it's probably just never give up. Keep chasing and keep going because anything could happen at any time. And uh, let me just ask you this for a little bit of fun here. Um, you know, there's been a lot of great soccer players that you've probably watched either live on TV um, from a kid to, you know, 18 now watching these players. What are your top like three or four players that you've seen? Whether uh, it could be any position, it doesn't have to be goalkeepers, but what are like your top three or four favorite players that you've ever watched? I mean, my top favorite player that I've probably watched early on as early as, as I can remember is Der Stegen. You know, he's been big inspiration. I used to watch his games with Barcelona, you know, make, watching him make these big saves, you know, really things like, wow, I want to make saves like that one day. It just, you know, he really, like, inspired me to become 
like the keeper I am today, and he helps me a lot as well. I still watch his games as of now. And another Pickford I also look up to is Jordan Pickford. He's a great guy. I always watch his training videos. I learn a lot from it as well. And I try to also try to play like him as well, but also I have my own style. But I learn a lot from him. And one more player, probably the greatest of all time, Cristiano Ronaldo. You know, he's a great, probably the greatest striker of all time, in my opinion. Um, if, and, and if you weren't playing goalkeeper, what position would you be playing? Um, probably center back, because that's where I started as before I became a keeper. Yeah, I remember early, really early on, I started as a, as a center back, but then my, my coach decided to put me in the goal because we didn't have a keeper, and then here I am now, just playing keeper. So, yeah, I would be a center back, 100%. Uh, at one, um, in regards to Cristiano Ronaldo, He's standing on the spot. He's got the PK. You're between the pipes. Do you stop his shot? Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> Maybe not. I, I, I think Larry I, I thinks. Love... I think Larry thinks he could stop Cristiano Ronaldo's shot. But uh, let's be realistic here. <laughs> if, if, if he if he threw it at me, I could stop it. If he kicks it, I've got nothing for him. Hey, one, uh, one question, Juan, that we do like to uh, ask all of uh, our guests, uh, uh, players who come onto the show. Um, you guys are in the, we already know who you got on your playlist. You mentioned who you, who you like to listen to pregame. However, in the locker room, who's got the ox cable? Who has the best musical taste on the team? And even more importantly, though, who's got the worst taste on the team? <laughs> Um, I mean, who's on Ox? It's Seth Kasipli. I think yeah, he's always on Ox playing. It's either random, like, country music or, like, rap music. So it's in between those two. And it's mostly just him on Ox. So, yeah, probably he'll be both the best and the worst. <laughs> oh, fun stuff. Um, who wants to take Dylan's ever-popular question? I'll, uh, Nathan, we'll let you do that question. Do you know that question? I do know it. All right, so this is... Obviously, Dylan, who's not here tonight, it's a question to ask, what is your favorite veggie and what's the best way to cook it? I mean, on the top of my list, it's got to be a potato, right? And the two ways I like to prepare is first, mashed potatoes and gravy. Just That's just like the best out there. And also a loaded potato, you know, opening up, putting a bunch of meats, cheese, like um, sour cream on it is just it's just amazing. It's like the best way I, I can think of preparing it, especially the way my mom makes it. Sometimes it's just really good. Can, can, I, can I say right this? Now? Can I can I say one thing? I, I I think Juan, you're the first person to ever say a potato. Uh, I will have to go back and check the records, but I think you're the very first potato person on here. Um, really? And I will say this: I love myself a good baked potato. Uh, we'll, we'll do it all kinds of way. I'll do a, a barbecue baked potato. I'll do, I'd like to do fusion stuff with my baked potato. So I'll do like a, you know, a Mexican baked potato with some carne asada and some salsa, yeah, some avocado, like <laughs> uh, you know, all that and some hot sauce on there. I'll do an Asian style baked potato with some teriyaki steak or teriyaki chicken. So baked potato is such a versatile vegetable. That's a great option. I love hearing it. And I'm sure someone's going to come up and say, Hey, by the way, potato is not actually a vegetable, but. <laughs> I don't know. It, it has to be right. It doesn't have a seed. I know it's a root, but I don't know um, how that all gets classified. It's um, close enough. Yeah, I made oh. sure to search it up so I don't look that dumb. <laughs> so they warned you that that this is a question you're going to get asked. Who who warned you on that question? Oh, Chad. 
he's the one that told Chat. me that's like one of the, the main questions that I would ask. <laughs> like I just searched uh, up, is potato a vegetable? I said, yeah. So he's like, I'll say potato. <laughs> what, what, hey, you, great people working with the club preparing you for the difficult questions you'll get from us. Um, before we let you go, Juan, any last, like anything you want to just share with the fans, say to the fans that are going to be out there uh, this Friday and throughout the rest of the season. And obviously once we make the playoffs, that'll be out there supporting you all. Uh, any message you have for those fans? I mean, yeah, I think without their support, we wouldn't be doing as, as well as we are now. Like their support pushes us a lot throughout the game. You know, it's a great environment to be in at home. It's always a packed out stadium. It really gets us going. So with their support, it helps us a lot mentally to push through the game and come out with a victory. So when they, with their energy, it helps us a lot. So, yeah. Yeah. Juan, keep up all the great work. Keep up the hard work. There's proof in this system with Orange County that young goalkeepers can make something themselves. You know, we had a young goalkeeper named Aaron Cervantes that sort of had a similar story to you. Came in as a youth player, you know, came onto the team, was successful with the team, and was able to do other things. So just keep up that hard work. We, we wish you the best, and we hope to see you. Uh, you know, someday moving on to bigger and better things. I know Orange County isn't the last stop for many players' dreams, and uh, we hope to see as much of you as, you, as we can, and hopefully you get to you know, live your dream as a, a goalkeeper playing soccer, wherever that takes you. Okay, will do, especially. Thank you. Awesome. Once again, everyone, goalkeeper for your Orange County Soccer Club, Juan Santana. Like Larry said, the only geek goalkeeper right now in the USL that probably can say – I've given up zero goals in uh, in professional matches in the USL Championship. Great job. Entire career. Uh, all. <laughs> thank you for joining us, Juan. All right. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. See ya. Awesome. What, what an amazing story for this youngster, uh, Juan. He came onto this team, um, you know, sort of just gets this invite to come train with the two team, makes an impression, says, hey, why don't you come train with our first team? Uh, and then shortly thereafter, making a debut in front of a rabid fan base in Sacramento. Um, probably not the easiest place. I would assume if the club had their way of how they're going to set up Juan for a debut, it wasn't going to be that's not it. <laughs> thousand plus fans. Um, Cause if that's the plan, that's not a, a plan for much success in most uh, situations, but <clears throat> a great defense on this orange County team helped him out. Um, and, and a couple great saves from him in that match. And then obviously, uh, he, was up for, he was up for save of the week on stopping that one uh, with his boot on uh, from C- Cicerone. Yes. I mean, it, I, and I think anyone that's followed Orange County now for, you know, the last four or five years, this is what you love about this team, right? There's this mix of youth. There's a, and there's some great veteran players and it's amazing just to see the youth develop, come out of nowhere, get a spotlight put on them and then find pathways to other things. Now, I know like Aaron Cervantes, I mentioned him. He went to Rangers, and I think he's now back in the States, uh, I believe, with the the LA Galaxy 2 team um, yes. in MLS Next Pro. Um, but you wouldn't have those opportunities. That's an opportunity, right? Yeah. It didn't work out for Aaron Cervantes, but it was an opportunity that was provided to him because of Orange County Soccer Club and the ability to sh- you know get a spotlight shine on you while you're playing professional soccer in the U.S., which is really cool. And we've seen other stories like that. So um, it's, it's a great story. Um I, I believe he came through. I believe he was before with Orange County. He was with West Coast FC, which I think Orange County has some sort of affiliation with them because if not, West Coast FC is just stealing their their logo for their uh, for yeah. their badge. Um, but uh, I know yeah. in the past there was like a bunch of coaching 
like crossover between Orange County and West Coast. So I, I would assume there's something going on there. But it, it's awesome to see that from young players, young local players, right, Larry? Oh, ab- absolutely, no question. And what and what an opportunity for these guys, you know, for the Aaron Cervantes and the and the Francis Jacobs and you know guys like Juan, um, Ben Norris. Not only are they getting this opportunity to start off an incredible career and live their dream. But they're getting to play, getting to play with some people, with some guys, with some grown men, like Juan said, who are actual legends. I mean, guys like Thomas Anavoldson, um, Dylan Powers. This guy, we're talking about an MLS Rookie of the Year, um, Michael Roscoe. My, that was the next name I was going to come up with. Literally, a U.S. Men's National Team legend. Um, you don't get these opportunities very often, um, but for these young men getting these opportunities. Um, and taking advantage of it and taking themselves to the next level. I mean, all you, all you can do is wish nothing but the best for them and, and want to follow them and see where they go next. I've, I've been following Aaron Cervantes since he was, what, 17 years old, and he made his de- debut between the pipes for us. And he's, what, 22, 23 now? Um, it's, it's incredible to see, and I'm so proud of these young guys who are coming up through our system and these older players, the, these more mature, these grown men who are mentoring these kids and helping them grow um, and, and become better, become better men, become better soccer players. Yeah, and I think that's one way that Orange County is doing things right in this this level of playing oh, yeah. in the U.S., um, soccer pyramid, right? Is is obviously this isn't a final destination dream for any player. Um, obviously, there's players that realize later on in their career, maybe this is the level for them, and this is a great. Hey, why not? If I have to play at this level, let me play in a beautiful part of the country where you don't have to deal with crazy weather and stuff like that. And in the meantime, or or part of that, also, I get to help mentor the next generation of players, um, and be part of that that experience, which is really cool. Um, is that is it? Nathan, for you, is that something that you love about this team that you get to? And, and obviously another thing is, hey, if some, one of these players someday makes it big, you could say, hey, we used to watch them at the 5,000 seat stadium in Irvine. And we got to actually like interact with these players and high five them and and say, you know, and, and talk to them. It, it, isn't that an awesome experience for you, Nathan? Oh, I mean, it's a badge of honor that we're able to do this with like in the American soccer landscape. I don't know many of our teams that are able to year after year ship out talent to Europe, do all this stuff. If anything, like if we're able to do this and stay competitive in the league we play in, then that's all I can ask for. That's way more than any other can say in the lead or in just US US soccer in general. Yeah, definitely. It, it, it's an awesome experience. Um and I, I think it's a great experience too for the youth players in and around Orange County is they, they see this, there's opportunities for them um, to stay local and still get an opportunity to be professional, right? That's where we see like a, a Juan Santana. We see players like Aaron Savannah. They're local kids that got to play on a local team while still being kids. Francis Jacobs was another one that he was part of this Orange County team, local kid being able to be, you know, try their shot at professional soccer um, while not having to move thousands of miles away from family and, and friends like that, which is really, really uh, a big thing. And I know, uh, I, I believe this was even sort of the message when James Keston bought the team is he wanted to provide a professional pathway for youth players in Orange County, um, which is awesome to see that it's working that way, which is really, really cool. And there's no um, championship who's doing it like Orange County does. 
and it's do really it not. as well as Orange County does. And I think it's the right way to do things at this league, right? You see other teams yeah. that do gimmicks. You see other teams that try and just throw money. Um, it, it, this is a sustainable way to do it, right? Because what's your revenue, your big revenue source for lower division soccer? You're not making a lot from ticket sales. You're making money from finding the, the diamond in the rough, developing them and selling them on. And now you have some money to do other things with, grow things with, find other young players. And because Orange County is continuously doing this, I think that's why you see a lot of, youth players from outside of Southern California saying, Hey, I want to go there. I want to join that team because that team is providing opportunities. I think uh, Corey de Oshadina came from the FC Barcelona Academy in Arizona. Um, I, I I'm sure he saw what orange County was doing and saw, Hey, I want to go there. Cause that's where I'll get an opportunity to, to continue my development and move on to, to other things and get an opportunity to play professionally while I'm trying to develop that. Um, Kobe Henry, another one came from Florida. Um, I believe Bryce Jamison was also from Barcelona. And so was, I think, Ben Norris, Barcelona um, in Arizona. So I, I think it, it's just, it's a perfect way to do things at this level. And other teams should be trying to copy this. I know we've seen some other teams sign, you know, um, partnerships with other European clubs. Uh, but I, I, I agree with you all that Orange County seems to be doing the best job of this. And it, it's a great thing to to have um yeah i mean don't, let's do don't this. Go wrong. It, it would it would be great if we could develop a milan Olosky and sign him to a 15-year contract <laughs> <laughs> it, it would be fantastic but that's not the model of this league or or this team and that's perfectly okay i don't know about anybody else out there but one of the funnest things at least for me personally is getting to know these new guys each year I mean, we've got what Seth, Brent, Brian, who have been with each have been with the team for what three and four years, I think. And outside of that, it's all just changeover. Um, and I mean, you 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 love some of these guys, and and you you love all of them, and you want to see them be back with the team again. But at the same time, you also want to see them maybe move on to something bigger and better. Um, you know, we got some players this year who, boy, I would love to see them be back next year. There's uh, there's three or four in particular that. Oh man, boy, that would be so much fun to see them for a second year. But the reality is, is they're probably going to be gone and they will be missed. But, you know, the front office, they're going to go out, they're going to find replacements. They're going to keep this team competitive year in and year out. Well, and, and the cool thing with the way things are set up, right, is they're finding youth players and able to make some money off of the sales of youth players. It gives you an opportunity and, and you're growing the, the product. So you're seeing more sellouts. It's giving you a little bit more cash, you know, influx that you can now go and maybe uh, keep a player a year or two longer than you would have been able to in the past, which may be why we're seeing a Milan Olosky, um, you know, hang around for another year or two after. I, I think most fans thought after last year, Milan's gone and what he's back for this season. It, it might be because you have that influx of cash from player sales from some of these really good young players. You can now keep players a little bit longer than maybe what Orange County was able to do in the past. Right. So that's, um, that's where this this whole uh, sort of system is working out really well for Orange County, and uh, uh, hopefully it continues to be successful for them, um, and, and they continue to to be able to provide a great product for the fans. Because I know um, all of the fans, and especially the, those fans, that, you know, CLC or the season ticket holders, deserve to see a really great product out there. Uh, because I know you all are very, very, you know, committed to this team, and you all pour your heart and soul every, uh, you know every Saturday or whenever the matches are into this team. And, and um, 
it, I, I feel good for everyone that, that gets to see a great product out there. And it's, this is an awesome season. We see that. Um, let's get into our random thoughts really quick. Um, so we can try and wrap this up and stay under the hour mark. Um, I'll go to you first, Nathan, since I haven't heard your voice for a little bit here. Do you have a random thought for everybody? Um, typically when I'm on the show, my random thought is always based on stats and numbers that people love to hear. Uh, so first one, the all time series versus Carlos Prince. Pretty even, I'd say. However, the switchbacks have never been OC since 2017. Even last year when we were not good, it was a 3-3 draw. That's my grand thought. So we should we continue that trend on Friday. There we go. Larry, your random thought. Um, random thought. Um, I'd like to show the picture of the handball again, but I'm going to let that go now. Um, random thought. Don't throw stuff at referees. That would be number one. Number two, if you, uh, again, I think I mentioned it last week, if you have not tried an Eagle Rare 10-year-old bourbon, please do. And uh, random thought number three, guys, I'm getting married in like 29 days. And, <laughs> and there she is over there making some noise. 29 you said days. you get three random thoughts, Larry. It's not the, the Larry random thought show. Well, yes, but I'm making up for the fact that your random thought is not going to be an original random thought. Eh, I don't care. It's a random <laughs> thought that everyone loves to hear from me. My random thought is I just want to give congratulations to my my boys' uh, 2012 soccer team uh, this past weekend, kicking off their fall season with a 6-1 victory over La, uh, Laguna Beach FC. Uh, and uh, in a proud papa moment, my son had two really good assists in that match, um, one that was to a he, – he switched the play as a uh, – for those that don't know, I'm – He's converting from a traditional number nine to a false nine. And so he received a pass and switched play to a player and that got like a one-on-one with a goalkeeper for the easiest shot he'll ever get. And then the second assist was just a two-player back and forth for like three or four passes leading to a really great shot from the other player. So, um, dude, I'm just making up those words. What words am I making up? <laughs> I'd love to know, Producer Andy, what words am I making up? Um, so props to my... Uh, 2012 boys team Laguna Miguel youth soccer select team for an awesome uh, opening weekend in our league. Um, I want to thank everyone involved with the show tonight, including Nathan, Larry and our producer, Andy, plus our guest from orange County soccer club, goalkeeper Juan Santana. I want to thank them also for all our listeners that participated in any chats or comments as we were doing this. Thank you for doing so. As always, if you want to listen to any of our past episodes or you want to read anything that people like Nathan are writing for our website, feel free to go to our website, ocscpodcast.com. Um, thank you everyone. Once again, this is the orange and black soccer cast. And we are out. Hey.